0: We have a couple of questions from last week that have been asked via the response slips. I just love getting your questions, lots to think about, and uh, here are some answers to go with them. The first is, is it okay to be single or a virgin if you're not wanting to grow up to be a nun? Well, it certainly is fine to be single and a virgin in life. The last couple of weeks I've mentioned is we've done our talk series on the Song of Songs and Sex, Uh, Jesus was single and he was a virgin all his life and he was the most perfect and complete human who ever walked. And also marriage doesn't continue on into heaven which shows you that it's not like marriage is the centre of the universe. It's a temporary thing. And so uh, even though marriage and sex is really, really good, there's a whole book of the Bible devoted just to it, uh, we need to realise that sometimes it is better to remain single for life and it can be a good thing. Question two. Is it acceptable to divorce if the husband and wife were not Christians when married, but one later becomes a believer? Well, uh, last week we looked at some things from the New Testament letter of 1 Corinthians, and we're looking at chapter 7. And in this chapter, uh, it talks about times when it would be right for there to be a divorce. But in this situation, it's not the case. Uh, The same chapter, 1 Corinthians 7, goes on to say in 17, Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. I think that's a fairly clear command that if you are married and you then become a Christian and maybe your spouse hasn't, then God's saying, stay put. If, however, your spouse says, I don't want to remain married to you anymore and says that they will divorce you and then they go off and because of that they have uh, they are unfaithful to that marriage vow then I take it that you are in that situation free to remarry after divorce. Question three. Whilst we won't have married relationships in heaven won't we still know people there? Uh, Well I said last week that I thought that because marriage didn't exist that then we wouldn't know other people. I actually don't think I'm quite right on that one. Um, I think it's probably more likely that we will recognise others and that, in fact, part of the blessings that we'll have in heaven will be seeing people there who have come to be friends with Christ because of the ministry that we've had to them. Uh, The Apostle Paul says in uh, Philippians 4, a terrific verse, he says, I love you and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. You see, what are the blessings in heaven? Uh, I, I take it that it, if there's someone up there who, who you happen to have told about Jesus and they've heard the gospel and are now friends with Jesus because of something you've said, it's kind of like they're your crown. And so that's the case, I think, uh, that there is to some extent uh, a, a recognition of others in heaven, I, I think. Question four Will we feel sadness in heaven about the people who are suffering eternally in hell? Uh, it's kind of a related question. I don't think we will. There'll be no tears or sadness in heaven. And so we're not going to do a head count and say, well, a whole lot of my friends are here, but not that one. And I'm sad about that. Because heaven won't have tears, there'll only be joy. Question five How is there any cool way to die? This question is asked because I made a bit of a joke last week about how dying in a spectacular televised car crash in front of millions of people would be kind of going out in the blaze of glory, talking about glory. Um, uh, Let me clarify dying is not cool and death is terrible. And uh, my comment was just a bit of a morbid joke, so I I am sorry if that was taken in a bit of uh, bad taste. Uh, Question six Why does God choose to save some people but not others? Well, nobody deserves to be saved. You don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to be saved. We all deserve to be punished by God for all the things we've done to make him angry. That's the default. But we read in the Bible that in his amazing grace, he has decided to choose some people to be saved and not others. And it's not based on merit. It's not based on how good you are or smart you are or tall you are or good-looking you are or what suburb you were born in. Doesn't None of those things have any impact whatsoever. It is all by his mercy. When we were looking at the book of Romans last year, you will remember when we got to chapter 9, if you were with us, there was a whole discussion about this. And go and jump back in there if you want to look a little bit more about this. But the bottom line is we can't really work out just Why? Uh, we just need to ultimately accept it, and we need to be truly thankful, like, wow, oh, the depths of the mercy of God, just incredible. You see this doctrine of predestination, as it's called, um, is, is sometimes hard for us to handle, especially if it's connected with some grief that we may have because of the lost of a lost one. But the more you understand this doctrine, the more you realize that it is truly an aspect of God's character and that it is a comfort to us. And so I encourage you to keep dwelling on that and looking at it that way. Finally, question seven, uh, which I've just lost off the screen. Um, Question seven. Can we truly forgive someone who continues to do wrong to you and doesn't repent? Can you truly forgive someone who continues to do wrong to you and doesn't repent? Well, when it comes to forgiving others... We Christians need to keep remembering that we've been forgiven by Jesus. And we've got that forgiveness even though we've done nothing to deserve it. And so if we understand this amazing forgiveness, we've got to be ready to forgive others, even if it hurts. And boy, doesn't it sometimes. The problem is that sometimes the person who is hurting us hasn't actually said sorry. It may even be that the person who harmed you perhaps did it a long time ago and they're no longer alive. They've never said sorry and they're never able to. In that situation, I don't think it is truly possible to enjoy the peace that comes from someone saying to you sorry and you being able to say, I forgive you. But if you know God's forgiveness then you will be loving towards this person who perhaps even acts a bit like an enemy, even if it's impossible to have genuine peace with them. Uh, You'll be able to release any anger that you have in your heart because you know how much God loves you. And I I think this is a better way to understand things than than saying, you know, I have forgiven the person in my heart even though they never said sorry. Because I'm not... Totally convinced that's consistent with the way we see forgiveness working between God and us and the way we works with each other. You see, because if you consider the way that God works in our world, we know that he loves the world so much that he gave his one and only Son. I mean, that is extraordinary, isn't it? Whilst we were enemies, God sent His Son Jesus to die for us. That's how much He loves us. And yet it's only by believing in his son that we get that full experience of forgiveness and peace. I mean, God can love the world, but it's only when we trust in Jesus that we experience reconciliation with him and forgiveness and peace. See, God can love his enemies and offer that forgiveness, but not actually have that reconciliation if they don't come for mercy. And I think that this helps us understand our own human relationships as well. See, as forgiven Christians, we should be people who freely offer love and forgiveness, even to those who hurt us, knowing that that is an enormous cost. But the peace and the reconciliation won't truly come unless that person actually says, I'm sorry, and unless we can actually say, I forgive you. We can kind of let it go off our hearts, in a sense, get rid of that grudge and and be free to offer our love to them and say, I'm ready to forgive you. But until they say, sorry, we don't have that true peace. These are deep questions. And I wonder if I might just pray now in response. Our loving Father, we thank you so much for the peace that passes all understanding, that you have reconciled us to you whilst we were your enemies. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you might help us to understand this forgiveness more and more so that we would be people who are ready to forgive others and we pray in situations where there is a person who is hurting us and where we are not at peace with them we pray that they would repent and come to us and say sorry and enable us to have true peace as we forgive them we pray heavenly father that in all of this we would trust in your sovereignty knowing that you're in control of everything And that you do truly love us and we pray it in jesus name amen if you want to talk about any of that at any stage just want to chat come and say hello talk to me about it i'd love to meet and pray with you